I want you all to look in John chapter 2, verse 1. If you're there, somebody say, I'm there. All right, here we go. Get out your paper and pen and start getting some notes, and we're going to do this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. What's his mother's name, y'all? What was his, what was his mother's name? Okay, y'all good. And where did it take place at? Okay, Cana, y'all good. Okay, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water so that they will, so that they will be filled to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out, take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Everybody say, the water had been turned into wine. Say it again like you're up tonight. Come on, somebody say, the water was turned into wine. All right, you're all going to get that. Just remember that, that the water turned into what? Into wine. Okay, you're all getting it. And it said, he did not realize where it had come from. This is the man drinking it now. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Somebody say, The best have been saved for last. All right, now look at verse 11. This the, was the first miraculous sign that Jesus performed in Canaan of Galilee. He thus re- revealed his glory, and his disciples put their what in him? What did his disciples put in him? What is, it, what, what is his disciple? I want you to decide the room to talk to me right here. What did his disciples put in him? All right, y'all need to like help each other because I want to be loud, all right? I want y'all to get so loud it scares me, okay? What did his disciples put in him? All right, good. Now everybody say it together. What did his disciples put in him? Yeah! That's what I like. Okay. So number one, where was the wedding held? Somebody shout out, where was the wedding held? Canaan of Galilee. Boy, this is a smart side right here. Boy, this, boy, we need some Metro Praise treats on this side over a cheer. Yeah. Y'all get a little treat over here. Y'all better come correct. Okay, so question number one, where was the wedding at? It was in Cana of Galilee. All right, now y'all can chill out and listen. Why was Jesus at the wedding number two? His mom was there, but what? He was invited. He was invited. That's question number two. Y'all write that down. We're going to learn today about Jesus changing water to wine. And that if Jesus can change water to wine, Jesus can change you. Say, I want you all to get that today. Those of you who are just visiting the church, you haven't been here for a while, we're going through the entire book of John. We are already on chapter 2 and have preached about three messages. They're all on our website if you want to listen to them again. MetroPraise.org in the back of your announcements. But everyone follow me right here. Jesus got baptized. He got tempted. Then he picked his disciples. Now he's chilling as the man in a wedding, and he pops off his first miracle. What does he change? Water into what? Into wine. Now let me help you all right here because you might be saying, oh, Jesus was making some 40s, man. Jesus was getting down with some malt liquor, you know, some Captain Morgan, some whatever, you know, Cabassier, whatever those singers we're talking about. No, 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 no. This is what Jesus was making. He was making their cold drink, their pop. You see, because they couldn't drink water at that time. The water was too polluted. And so wine 
was what they drank at their, at their dinner tables, and it was very diluted. It wasn't strong alcoholic drink. You would not get drunk off of Jesus' wine. Jesus' wine was what was used for eating. The wine that you would use for getting drunk was different type of wine. That's A. B, Jesus never intended people to overindulge in alcohol to begin with, so he wouldn't have made it for everyone to overindulge. So the lesson here is not that Jesus wants to have a party with us. We all get drunk on some wines. Everybody get that? Okay, that's not the lesson here. The lesson isn't Jesus loves to party and let's all get some 40s, okay? That's not the lesson. Look at your neighbor and say, that ain't the lesson. Okay, now the lesson is that Jesus was at a wedding in Cana of Galilee with his mother because him and his mother and his disciples were invited. And all of a sudden, while they're drinking pop, while they're sitting back and drinking the wine, it runs out. His mother looks over to him. Mary looks to Jesus and says, Jesus, help them out. They don't have any more wine. Then Jesus looks to Mary and says, come on, Mary. It's not my time to start doing the miracles yet. But then she was persistent, and she went to other people and said, look, just listen to whatever my son says and do it because he's going to hook this thing up. Jesus, out of compassion for the guests, out of compassion, respect for his mother, he said to the guys, go get those large pots that you guys use, like holy water over there. He said, fill them up and dip your cup in there and give it to the head guy at the party because I'm going to do a miracle. And so they go and dip the, the cup in the water. They go and hand it to the master of the banquet. And the Bible says, as he begins to drink, he said, this was the best wine. You know, it's kind of like at a party. If you started off your party, you're going to have like Mountain Dew and, you know, Dr. Pepper and Pepsi and Coke. But as people keep drinking and drinking, then all of a sudden you start pulling out that Aldi's brand stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like the nice stuff is gone now. It's just that Aldi brand stuff. How many people know what I'm talking about? And then before you know it, you're pulling out those big 99-cent jugs of Kool-Aid that they sell at the, uh, you know, at the grocery store. That's like the last resort. And then it's just like water. You're just like, we, we got nothing left, man. Just drink some water. What they noticed was the guy was drinking. He was like, whoa, most of the people bring out the best first, but you brought out the best at last. Somebody say the best was saved for last. Then the Bible says that they put their faith in him because that was his first miracle. Now, I want you all to learn something with this. Number one, you can look up here. Number one, we learn from this story about Jesus that he lived among the people. It says on the third day in the the place of Cana, Galilee, he was with his disciples and they were at a wedding. So the first thing we learn today in, in the story that we need to apply to our lives is that Jesus is not in a church somewhere. When Jesus walked the earth, he was just normal people. Look at your neighbor and say he was just, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, he was with people like us. You see, when Jesus was doing his thing, He wasn't out there in big churches. He wasn't downtown in the Hancock building. He wasn't where rich people and popular people were. Jesus was just around the people. That's the first thing we learn. That's question number three. What did Jesus do at the wedding and why did he do it? He turned the water into wine because his mother asked them. That actually had nothing to do with that point, but I just put it in at that point. Number three, in case you all didn't get it. Now watch number two. People called on Jesus for help. His mother said to the servants, do what he tells you to do. So the second thing we learn from this story is that Jesus was around people. He wasn't trying to be holier than thou, and I bless you, now leave me alone, humans. I don't like humans. No, he was around the people, and then, you know what? People could talk to him. 
Have you ever tried to talk to somebody and they're just too busy and you feel like, you know, you're not important? You ever been like that with somebody? Maybe you try to talk to your principal and you're like, hey, Mr. Brown, can we talk? He's like, no, I don't have time for you. You're just a little kid. God, you know, you know God bless you, whatever, later. You ever feel like that? Jesus was not like that. Jesus was so cool that he had time to talk to people. His mother's talking to him. The servants are talking to him. Jesus wasn't walking around with bodyguards. That's the second thing that we learned. People could call on him for help. The third thing that we learned, we're not going to read all this, is that he turned the water into what? Is that he had miraculous power. Jesus met people's needs. The time of the wedding, what the need was is they needed some what? Some wine. And they only had water, so Jesus took water and turned it into wine. Everybody look up at me and say, Jesus turned water into wine. Now I want you to think about this, number one. Have you invited Jesus into your life? Turn with me to Revelations 3.20. You see, Jesus was invited to where? Where was Jesus and his family invited to go? To a wedding. And what did he do? He came, didn't he? Now let me ask you a question. Have you invited Jesus to your life? Hello? See, some people talking like God doesn't love them or they don't believe in God and they've never seen God. Well, I want to ask you a question. You ever invited him to, to your life? Have you ever taken the time to actually say, Jesus, come to me and talk to me? You see, the first point that we need to learn from this message that needs to be applied to our lives is that Jesus will only come where he's invited. I want you all to turn to Revelations and everybody look up at me. Now it's going to be quiet time. Dad's going to preach. Somebody say, preach it, Poppy. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't. Somebody say, preach it, Pastor. Ah, fuego. All right. Everyone look up at me once you get Revelations. We're going to get this point number one. Jesus only comes where he's invited. If tonight if you don't want Jesus in your life, he's not going to come. If tonight you want your friends to be everything life's about for you, then that's all you're going to have is your friends. God is not going to break down the door of your life like, you know, they do on cops, like, we're coming in, hands up. you got to live for me. I'm Jesus Christ. Jesus is not coming in, busting down your door, going, you've got to be a Christian. No. Jesus only comes where he's invited. It's like, have you invited him into your life? Have you invited him into your life? Have you said, Jesus, I want you to come to my life? He was at a wedding because people invited him. I want you to look at Revelations 3.20. If you're there, somebody say, I'm there. Jesus talking. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. The Bible says Jesus stands at the door and knocks, and he says, if anyone lets me in, I'm coming in. Do you know that when you came to church today, if you were not a Christian, the moment we started worshiping, Jesus' knock started to get louder. You can start to hear his knock getting louder and louder and louder. And you know what? The moment you leave out here, if you don't let him in, and you go around your friends, and you go wherever you guys go and do whatever you all do, guess what? That knock starts to get quiet. That knock starts to get really quiet. And so all of a sudden, you don't even hear it. And you know what? You live your life, and God's not in your life. 
I want to ask you a question. Do you still hear the knock and have you let him in? Have you let Jesus into your life? The Bible doesn't say, here I stand and bust down the door of your heart and I come in and take over your life. No, the Bible says, here I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens, I come in and have dinner with them. He's talking about eternal life. He says, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit on my throne. He says, I will give that person heaven. I will give that person eternity with me if they open up the door of their heart and say, come in, Jesus. You've seen skits here. Now, today would have been a great day to have one of those skits where people see Jesus coming to them, and they're like, no, Jesus, i got to be with my friends, and they leave Jesus hanging. Jesus comes to your heart, some of you here, and you say, no, Jesus, I have to go out and be cool because I'm 13 years old and I'm the coolest person on, on my, in my block, on, in my neighborhood, at my school. And some of you think you're so cool leaving Jesus where he is. But listen to me. If you leave Jesus there when you die, you'll go to hell. Only people who go to heaven are those who open up the door of their lives. See, it's that simple. Jesus only comes... To those who open up their life. Have you invited them into your life? If you have, when was that day? Tell us about that day. And just, you know, I'm just talking to, to yourself. I want you to think about it. Don't start talking to me. But when was that day? Mine was November 5th, 1995. I was in my mother, at my mother's house at her kitchen table, and she was telling me Jesus had a plan for me. Jesus loved me. Jesus wanted to change me. And at that moment, I had a decision to make because I started to hear the door knocking loud at that time. My mom was looking right at me, and she's saying, God's got a plan for you, son. God loves you. And I could hear him knocking at the door of my heart, and I had a choice to either walk away and let that knock become all quiet again, I don't even hear it, or open up the door and say, Jesus, come on in, man, I need you. The choice is yours. See, the first thing we learn from Jesus at the wedding is Jesus went where he was invited. I want to ask you a question. Has Jesus been invited to your life? Is Jesus a part of your Friday nights? Is he a part of your Saturday mornings and Sunday afternoons and and your Mondays and your Tuesdays? Is Jesus a part of your life? Or are you leaving the man at the door of your heart? You see, hell is not just for children who go out and kill other children. Hell is not just a place where people who worship Satan go. Hell is a place for anyone who has rejected God in their life and said, Blank you, Jesus, I don't need you. I don't even want to think about you. I'd rather think about my friends. I'd rather think about what's going on on TV. I'd rather think about my little MySpace. I'd rather think about something else instead of dealing with you right now. That's what hell's for. Hell is for the rejection of God. Question number four. Or, yeah, question number four. Have you invited Jesus into your life? Yes or no? Just circle it. Yes or no? And if you had invited him into your life, then put the day you did. When did you invite Jesus into your life? Me, November 5th, 1995. Lewis, when? When did you invite him into your life? Alyssa, Hillary, when did you invite him into your life? David, JJ, write it down. The date you invited him into your life. Because I'm going to tell you something. People want to say, oh, Jesus is with everybody. No, 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 no. Jesus is only with those who invite him into their life. 
Jesus is only with the people who say, Senor, you are the boss. Come into my casa. Come into my house and eat with me. He says, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. You know, some people, they want to die and go to heaven and be with Jesus when they never spent no time with them here on earth. Let me tell you something, friends. If you don't like when we worship here and praise God and read our Bible, you're not going to like heaven because heaven's only about Jesus. Heaven's not about beauty contests and making money and bling blam and bing bong and all the things of the streets. Heaven is about people who love God. If you haven't spent time with them down here, why do you think you're going to go up there and be with them? You know what some people think? I heard somebody say Saturday when I was on the streets, Pastor, when I go to heaven, then I'm going to let them into my heart. Uh, wrong answer. Too late. Watch our Judgment Day play on our website. You think you're going to show up on Judgment Day and then make it right with God? It's going to be too late. You better invite him in now. Because on that day he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Oh, you don't believe me? Turn with me in your Bible, Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. I've got to help somebody. Somebody say, help him, Pastor. Yeah, I've got to help some people up in here because I know many of you have invited them into your life. Others have not. I've got to help you. It ain't coming up on the karaoke screen either. See, this is fresh bread right out the oven right chair. See, I'm giving it to you fresh right now. See, I'm going to give you what the Lord is wanting me to tell some of you guys up in here because I don't think you all believe it yet. You all think you're too cute to go to hell. You think, you think that only dirty people go to hell. You don't understand. You'll be the one sitting up there all confused as you go to hell if you haven't invited them into your life. Somebody say, preach it. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 7. Look at what it says in verse 21. When you're there, somebody say, I'm there. These are for the people that think when they get to heaven, they're going to make it right with them. Jesus knew that those people would be around. He knew that some of you would be in this church right now. And he wrote this in the Bible so that you and I would not try to play that game with Jesus. Jesus will not be played by us, by a teenager, by the slickest good dudes you know. Uh, somebody may be able to play you and play me, but nobody's playing Jesus. When you go to heaven, you either know the man or you don't, and he's going to be real honest with you. Look at Matthew seven twenty one. Look what Jesus says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Is that not what he just said? Come on, Jose. Is that what it says in the word, baby? That's what it says. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You want to go to heaven? Live like heaven down here. You live like hell down here. You're not going to heaven up there. Hello? Y'all got to get it right now. Come on, somebody. I need you to help me preach a little bit. Some of you already got to help your neighbor get it right here. I said, if you live for hell on earth, you're not going to heaven up there. The Bible says you're going down to hell when you die. But if you want to go to heaven, you better live like heaven down here. The Bible says not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, did not go to church. Oh, Lord, 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 did not go to elevate. Oh, Lord, did not help out on Saturdays. Oh, Lord, did not read my Bible. No, he says only those getting in are those who live for him. Those who said, come on in, Jesus. 
take over. We're going to sit down and spend some time together. Do you know the Lord? The question isn't do you know about him? I know about Abraham Lincoln, but that doesn't mean I know Abraham Lincoln. Do you know Jesus? Is he your closest friend? Is he your heavenly father, your savior, the friend that sticks closer than a brother? Has he come into your life? Yes or no? And if he hasn't today, we pray that you make that decision. And everybody said, amen. Praise God. Let's go to the next point. He was invited to the wedding. And what's the next thing that we learn? Is that he came to change some stuff. Look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. What things do you need to be changed? When Jesus Christ came to this earth, when they invited him to the wedding, things needed to be changed. Jesus could change anything. Let me ask you a question. Now that you've invited him into your life, what's he changing in you? And what are some of the areas he still needs to change? Don't be ashamed. No reason to be embarrassed in church. I will be the first one to tell you that this Bible says when we become Christians, we don't become perfect. Just because I invited Jesus into my house doesn't mean I'm perfect now. No, the Bible says I'm saved now. You are saved. You're able to go to heaven when you die. But there's some things that still need to be changed. Hello, how many people know when Jesus comes in, he wants to do some renovations? He'll sit down and eat with you, but then he's kind of peeking in your bedroom going, hmm, you didn't make your bed today, huh? Hello, how many know when you have guests, you shut the door if you didn't make the bed, right? How many know if you got clothes laying around, where do they go? Under the bed, right? In the closet. We all do it. But watch Jesus. See, he starts eating with you, then he starts walking around in your life. You see, all of us got places in our life we don't let nobody go. See, we got those little secrets, the things that we haven't told our parents. And you know what that's like? That's like that stuff under the bed. See, but after Jesus starts to eat at that wedding, he starts to meet some needs. He starts to change some things. And after Jesus saves you and he's in your life, he's going to want to look under your bed. Jesus wants to go to the places that nobody else wants to go to. He wants to help you in places that nobody else can help you. And this is the part where we can be thankful that he loves us because where other people would look at those things, they would judge us. See, everyone look up at me, please. As, as much as you know about my testimony, I still can't even tell all my testimony right here. Because if I told all my testimony, y'all would think I was just nuts. You would never even respect me. I can't even tell it all to you. Hello? But I told it all to Jesus. Oh, you ought to get that right now. I said, there are some things you can't even tell somebody. This is so dirty. It's so nasty. Some of the secret things you and I have done when no one else was looking. Some of those thoughts that we had. Thoughts of murder. Thoughts of anger. Thoughts of perversion. All of these secret things. You know what? When Jesus comes in, he says, it's renovation time, baby. He wants to deal with the real you. And he wants to change you. When Jesus Christ was invited to the wedding, he could turn water into wine. And Jesus Christ can change all the areas of our life to glorify his name. Can you say amen? I want you to look at 2 Corinthians. If you're there, somebody say, I'm there. Now, we know that Jesus ascended to heaven. He's there right now, but he was on this earth. And so when he was here, he did it himself personally. But when he went up to heaven, you know who he uses now? Somebody say, the Holy Spirit. Now, watch this. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Oh, wow. Who's our Lord? Jesus. But he's also a spirit. Look at this. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, where His Spirit is, there's what? 
Wow, so the Bible says when we are here right now and the Spirit is here, who is here? The Lord is here. See, he didn't leave us. Even though he went to heaven, his spirit is still here. You and I are still having the opportunity to walk and talk with Jesus. And he still wants to change us. It says now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. This will get you to shout amen, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Somebody say, change me, Jesus. Now, we got a lot of deep words up here. i got to break it down for you. It says, and we with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. Let me make it real simple. Somebody say, make it plain. Let me talk about reflecting the Lord's glory. How many people know the sun reflects on the moon and the moon shines forth the sun's light? Watch this. How many people know that, that the moon does not have light in itself? Does everybody know that? If you go up on the moon, there is no light on the moon. Everybody know that? But right now, we step outside... That, that moon is shining, isn't it? Now think about that. Where does that moon get its light from? Where? The sun. So think about this. The moon does not have light in itself, but since it's close to the sun. Oh, you're about ready to get something right here. The moon has no light in itself, but since it's close to the sun, it can reflect the light to you and I. Now watch what this is saying. It's saying that you and I are now close to the S-O-N son of God the Lord and now he's shining on us and people around having to cover their eyes say, oh man, I see some blinging off of you because I can see Jesus. How many of y'all can see Jesus and some people up in here? Because why? They're close to the son of God. Oh, that'll mess you up right now. You'll never be the same if you can catch that. Just get close to Jesus. Invite him into your life, and things start to change. Now watch. Take away the sun, the moon won't shine. Take away the sun, the moon won't shine. Take Jesus out of my life, I'm hitting the streets again. Back to smoking. Back to drinking. You'll go back to talking about your neighbor and gossiping. You'll go back to fighting. Whatever you used to do or have done without God, take the sun out of your life, you go pitch black. Just like the moon. Bible says right here, we're reflecting his glory when we're with him. Let me ask you a question. What needs to change right now in your life? Because the Bible says that in that process, we're being changed into his likeness. Somebody say his likeness. See, it's Jesus' likeness. That's who you and I are being changed into. So the question isn't, oh, how good are you compared to your neighbor? Everyone get this right now. You may say to yourself, oh, I'm a pretty good Christian. Because I'm not as bad as so-and-so. She goes out and has sex. She's already done crazy stuff. I'm not as bad as her. No, 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 no. It's not about how good you are compared to each other. No, Jesus is saying, how good are you compared to him? You see, when we look at the Son of God, we realize just how, how little we are, how, how really evil we can be. That's why we need him in our lives. And the Bible says that spirit that he brings to us changes us, transforms us into his likeness. That word transform is in the Greek metamorpho. It's what happens to a caterpillar when it becomes a butterfly. Y'all got to get this. Everyone look up at me. This is deep for some of y'all, but this is right on time for the ones that came to church. All right. Somebody say, I came to learn, Pastor. All right. I'm preaching to y'all right here. Listen to me. What happens to a butterfly, it starts off as a caterpillar. Then it is metamorphosized. It 
is transformed into a butterfly. That same word is right there in that Greek language. There it is. And the Bible is saying you came in this world like a caterpillar. You came with problems and issues and attitudes, and you've made more enemies than you have friends, and you lusted. You've came in here like a caterpillar, but when you get around Jesus, he's going to transform you into who he is. See, when Jesus comes, he changes things, and he wants to change you and me. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. That's what it's about, baby. Woo! It's about being changed. That that moon does not have to make itself be like, oh, I'm going to turn on some light now. Come on. No, the moon just has to be by the sun. Boom, reflects, reflects, reflects. I hold up a mirror right now. Just reflects it. We, you and I just got to get around Jesus. All Jesus had to do was be around that wedding. Oh, y'all need some things to be changed? You want this water to be changed to wine? Let me get around it. It's changed. Go ahead and take it to him now. You need Jesus to change you? Get around him. Put down the game controllers, fellas, and pick up your Bible. How much have you read your Bible compared to PS3 and Xbox 360? Ladies, how much have you prayed to Jesus, been around Jesus, compared to how much you've been on the cell phone? Let me count your minutes with Jesus like they count minutes on your cell phone. Hello? What have you done with the Lord? If you want Jesus to change you, you got to be around him. You got to believe in him and say, Jesus, I want to be around you. And you know what? You do not have to convince one person you've been changed. They're going to see you've been changed. Cindy right now does not have to walk around here going, hey, everybody, I've been changed. I'm not who I used to be. No, just talk to her. And if you knew her a year ago, you know this girl is not the same. Right now, Gilbert and Sherman, and we're not saying anybody's perfect. The Bible says we keep being changed. We keep changed. So you get around Sherman and Gilbert. If you know anything about these gentlemen, you'll know they're changing. Hello. You see, it's all about being around Jesus and letting him change us. I thank God November 5th, 1995, I was changed from a high school dropout to a college graduate. I didn't see it all yet. But God did it all in me. Hey, y'all got to get this. When the light starts shining, man, you got the light. It just takes us time to figure it out sometimes. Sometimes you'll see a Christian and you'll be like, man, they are changing slowly but surely. But you know what? God does it right in their heart all at once. It just takes us the time to figure it out. Do you know when I first got saved, I got set free from drugs, alcohol, pornography, fighting, all of that. But it took me two, two months to quit smoking. You know why? Because I couldn't see that I was set free from that. I thought I had to keep making myself quit and making myself quit. But I didn't realize that the same way God shined on me and changed me from being a drug addict, it was the same way that he changed me into not being a non-smoker. And I finally got a hold of that, and I had some faith, and I threw out my cigarettes, never smoked again, 12 years. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. And, and you know what? I went back to college. And, I, and I'm got, I got my degree, and I'm getting my degree. I want to go all the way to the Ph.D. Come on. And, and now I'm realizing, oh, man. Now, what I'm doing now, 13 years since I met the man, is really all because of that one day. And he's still shining on me. And he's still showing me things. And he's showing me things every day about what he can do. It's not about what I can do or what you can do. It's what Jesus can do. Somebody say, Jesus can change me. Amen. I want you to see how he's going to do it. First of all, look up here. Everyone see what things may be in your life that need to change. It says number five. What areas in your life do you need to change? Write down the ones right now that you need to change it. Come on, everybody be honest with themselves. Lazy. Are you lazy? 
You struggle with getting up, going to school, doing things around your house, reading your Bible. Number two, are you mean? Are you mean to people? People think that you're not nice. Number three, depressed. Girls anorexic now in our society more than ever before. People all depressed as young people. Everyone look up at me as you're writing down if you can just for a second. Man, I just found out about my family member who grows up, who lives right now in the suburbs of Chicago. Now, you know that many, many people here, especially me, what do we have? We have a dream, right? See, I'm older and I'm 30, so this is what I dream about. Man, I want to have a big house for my kids one day. I want to have a nice car. I want to send them to a beautiful school, right? Well, my uncle did that. He moved out the city. He lives in the suburbs. Huge house, man, bigger than this church. It's a huge three-story house, basement, all of this, pool in the backyard, all of this. This young boy, 13 years old, my cousin, is depressed right now. They need to get him some help from a psychiatrist. My dad told me, pray for him because he's depressed. He don't even want to get out of bed and go to school. He don't even like himself. Let me just ask you a question. You think money's going to make you happy? You think just having a big house is going to make you happy? I'm going to tell you something. It will affect you. This world will affect you, people. Depressed. Number four, fearful. Maybe you're just afraid. Maybe you're too shy. Maybe you let people influence you all the time. Just always giving in to fear and peer pressure. Number five, addicted. Man, I already started smoking when I was 11 years old. So I bet you just in this room right now, some have already smoked. Man, I've already, I looked at pornography by the time I was in fifth grade, and I was addicted to it. I'm sure that there are people already addicted to that. There's so many things that you can be addicted to. Drugs, alcohol, pornography, cigarettes, man, all types of stuff. Addiction. Number six, perverted. We don't even need to talk about that. I think everybody knows what that is. Number seven, hurting. Maybe it wasn't even your fault. Somebody hurt you. They took your heart like it was a glass, uh, a, you know, a glass cup right here, and they just took your heart and bashed it on the ground and hurt you and put you in a million pieces. Maybe you just have been hurt by people, and that's the way you are right now. Watch. And number eight, maybe some of you are just rebellious. You know what Jesus can do? He can change you. Somebody say, Jesus can change me. See, when Jesus, now y'all got to say it like you mean, say, Jesus can change me. Come on, y'all ain't saying it like you mean. Come on, somebody say, Jesus can change me. Man, when Jesus went to the wedding and they saw that there was no more wine and they needed the water changed into wine, Jesus did it without even a heart. Man, he didn't even break a sweat. And listen to me, everybody up in here. You may have came into life lazy, but God can make you disciplined. You may have been mean, but God can make you kind. You might be depressed, but Jesus can change you and make you joyful. You can say amen anytime. You may be fearful, but God can make you bold. You may be addicted, but Jesus Christ will set you free. You may be perverted and dirty, but God will make you pure. You may be hurting and God will heal your heart. And you may be rebellious as all get out, but God will make you gentle and submissive. Somebody say, change me, Jesus. That's why we came to church, to be with Him and His Spirit. Because where He is, He changes things. Now write down the areas where you need to change. Write down the areas. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect, my friends. Write down your areas. And now I'm going to teach you what Jesus wants us to know about being changed. Look at 1 John 4, 4. It says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them. Because the one that is in you is greater than the one that's in the world. Where is Jesus living right now? Point to where Jesus lives, y'all. Come on. Come on. Point to where Jesus lives. Where is Jesus right now? By the Spirit, Bible says he's in us. And guess what the Bible says? Greater is he 
that's in you than he that's in the world. Y'all getting that? I need you all to get that today. You have to believe this man today because if you think this world is bigger and stronger and the things you face are bigger and stronger than God, then you are going to live defeated your whole life. But the Bible says you overcome. How do we overcome? Because God is bigger in us, Lewis, than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you, my sister, my brother, all my friends up in here than he that's in the world. This is what we got to do. Step number one. We've got to call on Jesus. Turn with me in your Bibles now to the book of John, chapter 15. Somebody say, call on Jesus. When they needed some wine, what did the mother do? What did Mary do? What did she do, y'all? What did she do? She called on Jesus. Jesus, we need you to help us. What are you going to have to do? Call on Jesus. I've been calling on Jesus for 12 years. He's never let me down yet. How many people know he's been faithful? Can you say amen? Man, I've been calling on Jesus for 12 years. He may not come always when I want him. He may not always be in my time schedule, but he always comes. Amen. Jesus comes when you call on his name. Mary, when she knew that they needed some help, she called on Jesus. I think it's time that teenagers learn how to open up their mouths instead of calling up their friend, calling up their mom or dad. Y'all need to know how to get on your knees and say, Jesus, I'm calling on you. Change me lord that was a good place to say amen it's about time you all know how to call on jesus because let me tell you something when i set down the mic you have to know how to call on his name when you're by yourself. Some of you are going to go away to college. You're going to leave this city. You're going to leave your family and friends. You're going to feel more alone than you ever were in your life. You need to know how to call on him. Some of you, this year, I'm not saying this like I am, uh, you know, some prophet. But I just know with this many people in here, we're going to lose some family members this year. Somebody might lose their grandmother this year. Somebody you ain't even planning on losing may be gone this year. I just had somebody call me up today. So-and-so died. Pastor, the other pastor we called couldn't make it to the funeral. Can you be there? I said, no, man, I got you service. I gave the brother some scriptures. He's at a funeral right now. He didn't expect that person to pass. You better learn how to call on Jesus because money will fail you. People will leave you. This world will hurt you. You need to know how to call on his name. And his mother is not the only one that knew how to talk to him. The Bible says his disciples knew how to talk to him. And as you read this Bible, poor people knew how to talk to him. Rich people knew how to talk to him. Jesus does not play favorites. He will recognize a name of the person in the crowd. There could be all types of people around Jesus. But if somebody wants him and cries out, Jesus, Jesus, the Bible says he stops and says, we got to stop, fellas somebody's calling my name and you may think you might be in church with all these people and Jesus can't see you I guarantee you son man you come up to this altar call on his name he'll find you he'll come right where you are and he'll change your life you just gotta call on Jesus Woo! you just gotta call on him 
Jesus. I think it's about time we start believing what the man said he could do and start testing his word. Jesus, you said you wouldn't leave me, so I call on you now when I'm lonely. He'll show you that he's not a man, that he would lie. Jesus is not a liar. People might have lied to you. Even pastors might have lied to you. But Jesus is going to keep his word. Man, the first two pastors I had as a young adult, one of them left his wife for the secretary. Man, I've seen men of God fail and lie and seen them turn into alcoholics. I've seen parents abandon their children, people you wouldn't even think. I I saw my uncle talking about my family. I'll talk about me. Uncle married to my aunt for 20 years, fell in love with somebody on the Internet, left his whole family, don't even talk to him. I'm going to tell you something. There's only one person that will keep his word every time, all the time, and that is Jesus. Amen? If you're all with me, say amen. Look at John 15, 16. Let the man speak for himself. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. See, Jesus comes and knocks on the door because he chooses us. I didn't choose God November 5th, 1995. God said, look, son, I'm going to knock on your door. I'm choosing you. I had to let him in. But you see, God loves us so much he comes after each one of us. Y'all checking the doors right up here, fellas. Look what it says. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now, obviously, that's not talking about I can just come to Jesus like he's Santa Claus. Like, okay, Jesus, I need a Hummer. I need a PlayStation 3. No, 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 no. The context of this conversation that he's having with the disciples is everything that you need to live for him. See, I'm going to tell you something. Love is more important than the PlayStation. Love is more important than the dude that you hooked up with right now, ladies. See, love is real, and God has to give that to you. Peace and patience and kindness, all of the things that really count and matter in our soul, the Bible says when you need those, he gives them to you. Can you say amen? So the first thing we got to do is call on him. The second thing is we got to do what he said. Turn with me to John 15, 14, the verse right before it. Two verses right before it. Jesus came to the wedding. Mother said, hey, Jesus, they're out of wine. And you know what? She had enough sense to call on his name. But then you know what else? Jesus had a plan to bring the water to wine. He said, y'all put water in these jars, do it like this, and bring it to the man. Somebody said, we got to follow Jesus. Jesus is going to ask you to do something to make this thing happen. You will not make the miracle happen no more than the servants, by putting water in those jars, made the water turn to wine. How many can get this? Everyone look up at me, please. How many of y'all get what I'm talking about? Watch this right here. I'm going to say it again for everybody else. Watch this. The servants were commanded by Jesus to go get these big jars that were in the back of the room, fill it up with water, then take the cup out, and give it to the man that was running the party. How many know that they could put water in those jars all day long but would never turn to wine? How many know they could take a cup out of that water in that jar, give it to a a man in charge, and it would never turn to wine? It wasn't them making the water turn to wine. But how many know Jesus used that to turn the water to wine for his glory? See, he gave them a command and said, y'all do this, you do this, and then I'm going to do that. I'm going to do what you can't do, but I want you to do something. You go out, get off your butt, go over here, put some water in here. You go find the cup. You put the cup in the water, and now you walk over to the man acting like you got wine. And then at that last minute, I'm going to do what I can only do and change that thing. 
You know what God's asking you to do? He's saying, get away from your friends. He's saying, trust me on that. He's saying, look, put down the game controller. Trust me on that. You do all that you have to do. And when you least expect it, I'm going to change your life. I'm going to change how you talk and how you walk. I'm going to put something different in you because I'm the miracle working man. That's the Jesus we serve, y'all. And all he's doing is just saying, do your part. Do your part. Just do what he says. You know what Jesus told me? Stop hanging out with your friends. All right. So I want to be off drugs now, right? What do I got to do? Stop hanging out with your friends. That makes enough sense. God changed me, took out every addiction that I had in me. But it's not always so, so, so easily understood. I remember the first time I was in Bible college. I told the stories before. And, and my three friends, you see, we had college, you know, during the week. And on the weekends, we were off. So we could leave the dorms. We could go wherever we wanted to. And my friends had met some young ladies, Christian young ladies, at a church. And they lived by the beach in Alabama. And they said, Joe, look, man, we got Friday through Sunday off. We don't have to be back till Monday. Look, man, let's go down here. These people got a place for us to stay down in Alabama. We're going to go to the beach and hang out. But guess what God told me? Don't do that. Now, see, that didn't make sense right then, right? That wouldn't make sense for me not to hang out with drug dealers and crack addicts and stuff like that. But you see, the Lord still wanted me to obey him, even when I thought I knew better. And I remember going back to my dorm, and I started praying, and and I was like, Lord, what's wrong with me? Why don't you allow me to go to a beach? And I remember that. I remember that. Because I knew God, man, and I knew God was talking to me. And, And I felt so bad about myself. I said, God, you must not think I'm good enough to go out with my friends. and man, Because I, I knew what I used to be, what I was before I was a Christian. And I felt like the Lord was just punishing me, not letting me go out. And then a week later, two out of the three that went had to get kicked out of Bible college because they wild out with the girls they were with. You know what God was saying? He was saying, son, if you, if you know me and you love me, listen to my voice and follow what I say. Because i got a plan for you. I ain't going to let something distract you and deter you. Because i got a bonita senorita. And all you got to do is take left, right, left, right, and just follow me. You see, Jesus is going to walk with us through life. And some of y'all don't even know that Jesus is like that. Some don't even know yet that Jesus wants to talk to you like that. You know why? Step one, you haven't let him in yet. Because I'm going to tell you what, the moment you get real with Jesus, you're going to start finding out he talks. And you can hear God in your heart. We're not crazy. We're not schizophrenic. But Jesus talks to us. Well, it's real, y'all. When we say Jesus come into my life and we actually start asking him what he wants for our life, he talks. And he speaks to us. And we've got to do what he said. Look at John. If you're there, say I'm there. You are my friends. If you what? All right, man, I need you to say it again. You are Jesus' friends. If you do what? Do what he commands. That's what he said. You are Jesus' friend. I am Jesus' friend if I do what he commands. Hey, servants, go get that jar, fill it up with water, put your cup in it, and give it to the man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. See, senor. I can get that much Spanish out right there. See, senor. There we go. Jesus doesn't ask us anything hard. We think it's hard sometimes. We think these commands are so hard, like don't lie. You know, we want to lie so bad, and Jesus is like, don't lie. And we're like, I want to lie so bad. Just don't lie. And guess what? It gets easier not to lie. 
And maybe there's one time your parents ask you to do something. You're like, I don't want to do it. I'm rebellious. Just, just do it. And it gets easier to obey your parents. You see, when we begin to do what he says, he does the miracle. If you guys begin to come to the Bible class, and the Bible class with Sue Ellen's on what, Tuesdays or Mondays? Mondays. Get a hold of her. Come on Mondays. That's just individual, one-on-one. She's going to spend time with you, mentoring you. With Adolfo and the fellas, it's 5.30 on Fridays, right? 4.30. Come on, fellas. Correct me now. Help me. Watch this. You come to church Friday. You go to church with your family Sunday. If they don't come, you start coming. Sunday after church, you go to the small group, hang out, have some fun. Then you get around some people that want to teach you. Pick Monday with the ladies, right here Friday with the fellas. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to start to learn what Jesus is talking about. And you're going to see miracles in your life. You're going to see your life change, and you're going to see your family's life change. Amen? If you believe it, let's stand to our feet and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on. Come on. Let's stand up and give God some praise. We love you, Jesus. Come on. Y'all ain't praising them yet. Y'all playing like you're at a golf game. Come on. Jesus, we love you. Gracias, Señor, for everything you give to us. Woo! I get excited. Number one, where was the wedding? It was at Cana. Number two, why was Jesus at the wedding? He was invited. What did Jesus do at the wedding, and why did he do it? He changed water into wine because somebody asked him. Number four, have you invited Jesus into your life, yes or no? And if yes, when did you do it? Number five, what areas in your life need to change? For me, it's anger. Lust, patience. I need God to keep changing me. I'm not perfect yet. Look at what it says right here. Number six, what's the first step in letting go and let God change your life? Number one, you got to call on his name. Number two, what's the second step in letting Jesus change your life? you got to do what he says. Once you call on him, he's going to start talking to you. And then number eight, what example does the Bible give in regards to God changing our lives? I want you to see this right here. It says in Isaiah 64a. Go ahead and hit that light for me right behind you for me, please. Right there, Jared. Hit it for me. It says Jesus can change your life. Isaiah 64a. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the what? What is he? You are the what? You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. When we really think about life and what it all comes down to, we're just clay in the master's hand. Is it really so hard for this man to change us? He made us. Is it really that hard for Jesus Christ? Everyone look up at me, please. Was it really that hard for Jesus to make me not smoke anymore? That wasn't hard, was it? You think it's really going to be hard for Jesus to change the young man that's in a gang here tonight? You think that's really going to be hard? You think Jesus is going to be like, oh, man, we're going to have to work on this, man. Get out the blowtorch, man. That's some stubborn clay. No, you know what clay is? Clay is just mud. And you know what the, the potter does? He takes water and he keeps putting it in that mud and he makes it so soft. You know what God wants to do? He wants to use his spirit in your life and my life and soften our hearts up. And he wants to change us. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me tonight, please. I praise God for everybody in this room tonight. I praise God that you came here tonight when you could have done so many other things. But I want to ask you a question. Have you accepted him into your life? And is he changing you?